you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and Jay Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We're going to make sure that we leave some time in today's program to get around to some of your calls, to get your commentary on what we're going to be commenting on today. Um, topic of the show is to the only wise God. To the only wise God. And what we want to do is discuss a couple articles here that um, I think are a challenge to us as believers, of course, um, else we wouldn't bring it to conversation. But also, as you look at these things and you start to have this this conversation, you start to unpack what we're actually talking about. When you see a challenge to or a direct challenge to what God has designed, when you see a direct challenge to what God has instituted, Mm -hmm. you see a direct challenge to the wisdom of God. And I think that that is what we have overlooked as Christians. You know, even even when we take a position where we say, no, this is God's plan. Right. But, you know, (laughs) yes. But it's not just because, you know, God's the boss and and he Mm. said this is the plan. It is because in wisdom, he established the things that we now see. Mm. It is because in wisdom, God designed the institutions of which we now benefit. And I think when you detach the wisdom from God, and of course, please expect that we will make the case from Scripture for what we're saying here. Okay. Um, So when we talk about God establishing the world and the institution of uh, marriage, for example, we're going to talk about um, sexual identity um, and sexual activity and all of these things. This is ours by the wisdom of God, the Amen. order for the way all of these things happen, the way they function. Um, the Bible is very clear that this is established by the wisdom of God. But then as you continue, you read from Old Testament to New Testament. By the time you get to the New Testament, when speaking of marriage in particular, you see that this was a wisdom that was concealed for ages that is now revealed in the church that the Gentiles now share in this access to God, that God has made this new group of people in the church, Mm. right? This is what the apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter three. And he talks about the manifold wisdom of God. I'm getting a little bit ahead here, but this is just the setup for where you want to go today. And the apostle Paul is writing about how he has been chosen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He has been appointed to administer this long concealed plan of God that the Gentiles would be brought into the fold. Mm. This is amazing, right? This, I mean, it's absolutely amazing, but then he'll continue. And by the time, so this is in chapter three. And then by the time you get to chapter five of Ephesians, the apostle Paul is full on saying that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Mm. And he's already revealed. You go back, a couple chapters, he's already revealed that the manifold wisdom of God, it had been concealed for ages. It's now being revealed in the church. And then he says, marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And then you go back and you've got this first institution that God gives among men that is marriage. This 
It is an amazing thing to think about. And when you think about the fact that in the Proverbs, and we're going to look at these extensively um, this afternoon, because I think it's so important that when we present to our kids uh, the value of marriage, why we stand up and defend and protect marriage, why it can't just be anything and everything that we want. Why? Why? Because of the manifold wisdom of God. You know, I think that's the thing. The things as Christians that we uh, get upset about or even offended by or we look at as, man, that's wrong, is wrong because the God who created it says that it's wrong. You know, Amen. like the God who have has placed a standard and the way things should be done. And when we go against that standard, you know, we're going against his wisdom. So it's not just because we we think we're so pious or we're, we're so this or that. That's it's because right. this is an offense to God. And to how he has made man and woman, like when we talk Amen. about marriage. And so I think we have to always come back to that because sometimes it could be seen as, oh, these Christians just trying to be, you know, yeah. holier than thou. No, right. this is offensive right. to the God that we serve, so it's offensive to us as well. I, I think we don't have a, a, a proper recognition of what sin is, you yes, know, that's what right. it is to God. That's that, right. Therefore, when we look at it, we kind of put it in human terms. Like it's just this thing, you know, oh, yeah, I messed up. No, it's, it's more egregious than that. That's right. That's right. And, I, and I, man, I think you make such a great point there. And it reminds me of the kind of conversation that we were having with our kids. And, and I'm not sure if sin was exactly the topic, but we did use it as a cross, a cross reference when we were talking about how I think sometimes, you know, man would say, wait, the wages of sin is death. Like, come on, death. You know, like as if yeah. like, come on, I mean, really death when the reality is that we should say, whoa, that's how serious sin is. Mm. You know what I mean? We yeah. we are always trying to sort of like reduce God's standard. So we're like, I mean, come on, really? Death? Like the wages of sin? Like uh, someone bad? misses the mark? Right. Death? Come on, death is extreme, right? But I think the person who would ask that question and even ask the question in that manner doesn't understand, as you say, how egregious sin is, that mm-hmm. yes, it demands death. Mm-hmm. And that should be sobering for us. But you have to understand in order for that not to be sobering, our culture also, while questioning um, the fact that death is necessary as a mm-hmm. payment for sin, our cu- our culture also has to diminish the impact of death, which is why you see the glorification of death on the rise, which is why you see suicide mm. on the rise and, and people trying to find a way to make that normal. Um, people will say, you know, this person lost his life to suicide. And and there, there are words that I've been reading here uh, recently, and this is not what I want to talk about today is just a side note. I've read some terminology here recently in what seems to be a consistent discussion of suicide uh, in popular culture, in magazine articles, and I've noticed a shift in the language. And guys, language is very important. In fact, I I pay a great deal of attention to language when, when we're reading things. What is the person trying to communicate in the word choices? And so this is just a side note, and we'll get back on topic I have noticed increasingly in articles that cover death by suicide, there is a new attempt, and you watch this and see if you notice it as well, but there is a new attempt to sort of um, not hold the person responsible for taking his or her own life. Mm. It is sort of like the person died um, as a result of suicide. It, it is, it's more of a passive approach to that. And so anyway, we may unpack that a little bit later on a future program. But why is that important? Because it almost takes the responsibility away from the person, right, which 
which actually reduces the value of the life that the person took, even though it was his own. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. So in, in other words, the person was was a victim. And then usually in the article, there will be a victim of mental illness. Right. So the weight of what it is that that life was taken is sort of lifted in a way. And I'll bring some when we do a discussion on that, I'll bring some articles to make the point. It's something that I've noticed that has troubled me, but I just have not brought it to this conversation. Here's my point. Death as a payment for sin indicates the weight of sin. When we move away from God's standard, Mm -hmm. when we miss the mark, which is called sin, death is the penalty for that. Going back to the beginning, we see that the things that God instituted are not just arbitrary rules because they, quote unquote, make him feel better. We see that what God has instituted is meant to reflect the wisdom of God in what he institutes and how he institutes it. Now, let's get to the topic for today. Here is the headline that um, grabbed my attention and um, kind of you know, batting it around in my brain for a little bit, at least two or three days, well, three or four days, you count the weekend. The headline is this, eight out of 10 teenagers expect to cohabitate. Eight out of 10 teenagers expect to cohabitate. Um, This is a Christian Post article here, and this is how it begins. It's an op-ed written by a man named Dan Hart. The Marriage Strengthening Research and Dissemination Center, or MAST Center, recently released a new report illustrating the vast scale of disillusionment regarding the institution of marriage in the eyes of America's young people. Mm -hmm. Among other findings, the study found that almost 80% of teenagers, and those uh, are teenagers for the sake of this report, uh, between the ages of 15 and 19, 15 and 19, 80% of those teenagers defined ages 15 to 19, expect to cohabitate before marriage with 95% saying they expect to marry someday. So it's not 80% of teenagers who just expect to live together and that is going to be their life. It's no, 80% of them expect to live together sort of as a training ground Mm. for eventually getting married. Mm. Yeah, sure, someday. Mm. But 95% of them ex- ex- expect to get married. Now, I want to I, I stay with this, with this op-ed here that takes a look at this report because there's some other information that I think is important to discuss. But at the same time, I want to lay some groundwork for what we're going to talk about. Again, our topic today is the only wise God, to the only wise God. Um, marriage is a display of God's wisdom. Okay. The institution of marriage, what God has defined as one man, one woman, married for life, this is not a flippant sort of bumper sticker position that those crusty conservatives have. Do you understand? <laughs> and, and it is necessary for us to understand this because what starts out in the Old Testament as a given baseline that it's one man, one woman for life, okay, continues on throughout <laughs> if you will, throughout the scripture, so throughout history. And then by the time you get to the New Testament church, the Apostle Paul 
is going to reveal something about marriage that had been hidden, mm. but it was always there. Yeah. He is not making it making it so in his letter to the Ephesians. Please understand this. He's not making marriage something that it never was. He is saying, hey, there's been something that has been hidden. This this understanding of the church and what God was going to do in bringing the Gentiles into the church. This was hidden, but now it has been revealed in the prophets and in, in the apostles. And, and Paul saying, I have been chosen, even though I didn't deserve to be chosen, I have been chosen as one to administer this wisdom, to make this available. In other words, I go after the Gentiles. Mm. And then when he gets to Ephesians chapter 5, okay, and he's talking about how husbands and wives are to relate to each other, he says this is again, and he says, a mystery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so toggle back to chapter 3 where he's talking about this mystery that had been concealed that is now re- re- being revealed, right? And so then he talks about this mystery again in chapter 5. And what is this mystery? That marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. Mm. It is a mystery, meaning it is not a new thing that has all of a sudden happened. Nope, this is something that God formed in the beginning that he baked into this institution (laughs) that he would reveal when he so chose. And the apostle Paul is saying, Hey, I'm telling y'all I'm, I'm the one I've been elected to do this. I'm telling you that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. I'm telling you that the dynamic that exists in marriage, I'm telling you that the commitment and the longevity in your marriage is saying something more than just, I like him. (laughs) Right. Like, guys, when we when we think about it in this way, it is profound and it demands defense by Christians. Amen. Guys, it is not. So so when we have our teenagers, 80 percent of them saying, I'm going to try before I buy. (laughs) What we find is a marring of this picture of Christ and the church. You see, the songs sound really good. When I was growing up, they sang songs like, have you tried Jesus? And then, you know, like, have you tried, you know, right? Like you yeah. try, just try. And and he's, a, he's and those right. songs are like, they're really good. Like you sing them, you don't think about it. But like when you grow in your knowledge of God, you're like, Come on. in New Orleans, I would say it like this way. Ain't nobody trying Jesus. You're either coming to him and you're being covered by his blood. You're being redeemed from your sin, right? You're you are being justified by him or the wrath of God is on you. There's mm. no like there's no middle trying just to see. You right, understand? Right. Which is what cohabitating suggests you have the ability to do. Mm. Come on. Aaron the Addisons, we'll grab the break and we'll be right back. God, I know. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and as uh, Brad and Rebecca, I am found. Um, I want to give a, just a little uh, sort of a, um, a consideration disclaimer. This is not a disclaimer because I think that God's word 
needs a disclaimer, but this is just a consideration disclaimer um, because I understand I'm well acquainted with the fact that there are many reasons why marriages in our culture today fail. Mm -hmm. And many of those reasons, many of those same reasons, the reasons for why marriages fail in our larger culture, those same reasons are reflected in Christian culture. Mm. I want to point that out. I want to talk about that. We're going to get to the end of the program if time allows. I, I, I did kind of write down some of those things, some of those reasons why marriages fail. But here's what I want to say. As Christians, we cannot redefine marriages because ours do not turn out according to God's standard. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't get to say, well, you know, I don't want to. No, we have to aim for the mark because there is a mark. And the mark is not some sort of, um, I'm sorry, guys, it's not, it's not, it's not happily ever after. Do you understand? That's not the mark. (laughs) That's not the mark. The mark is that this is a picture of Christ in the church. So God has invited us to as two individuals becoming one Mm -hmm. to be a living billboard of what he did for us. Mm. Do you understand that we Mm. our marriages become a walking, living, moving billboard? It is it is like Mm. the science fair on fleek. Okay, (laughs) I don't know if you still say fleek, but anyway, I. It it's it's the science fair where you take your presentation to the next level. You move away from the cardboard trifold and your thing is moving and walking around. Yeah. And this is what God has invited us to in marriage to show what mm. he has done for us through his son. Wow. So now, you, when go ahead. I was going to say I was going to say that there must be a misunderstanding by the Christian of what marriage really is, because oh. how would we let something like that? Just go the way that it's going. There's no way if we understood that this is what the picture is, is Christ mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. And our and, and we say like we love Christ and we we are his. Yep. There's no way we would let marriage go to the wayside, right? Oh man. So you you definitely and, and it's great. So I'm gonna go there. So you definitely jump to one of the reasons that I listed here for why we have such a high rate of divorce, why we have marriages that fail. And I want to talk about that, but then I want to bring it back to why do we have to keep fighting for this? Mm. And there's something I, 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 I did jot this down and I'm not trying to be, you know, filled with quips or, or any of those things. But I think there's an important lesson for us as Christians that we work hard, right? We work hard to do those things that we know that the Lord requires of us, the, the things that the Lord expects of us, the things that are really delineated in scripture. We work hard, but brothers and sisters, when we fail, we have to humbly explain much. Mm. Now, look, I know we live in a culture where people are just like, you know, they think everything is, I don't owe you an explanation. I don't owe you that. I don't. But as a Christian who is living for the glory of God, when we miss the mark, we actually do owe an explanation. Mm. We actually do have to say, listen, this is what happened. God's standards are still good and right and true. Amen. And I, I'm look, I'm going to tell you, and, and I, I have benefited from this. So I know firsthand, I know firsthand that missing the mark and refusing to shift the goal has an impact on the onlooking generations. I, I am, I am an example of that. Mm. My father left my mother. That was not my mom's intent. My mom didn't intend, she didn't go into marriage expecting that, you know, there was going to be a situation beyond her control. Right. And, and, and then 
that the person who you can't control is saying, hey, I'm out. But can I tell you what I'm so grateful for? I am so grateful that my mom did not denigrate marriage because hers failed. Amen. I'm so grateful that my mom didn't raise me with this, like, you don't need a man. You don't need anything you can do. He can rah, rah, rah. Like, can you imagine how that would have messed up my ability to live for the glory of God? It would have affected my ability to live for the glory of God adversely. Now, of course, triumphant is Christ. Amen. Of course, triumphant is the work that the spirit does. But do you understand that sometimes the building material that we come with, man, it makes it harder for us. It makes it more difficult for us because we've got all of these things that we've got to kind of like smooth out and get over. But for us as parents, for us as grandparents, for us as like the older generation in culture, man, we've got to do the work to agree publicly with God. Like we, we, we have to put in that work. Do you know that there are other people who are so willing to put in so much work to the contrary or in contradiction to what God has said. Mm. But we as Christians, we're just like, we keep quiet. We're just like, I don't want to talk about that. It hurts Man. my feelings. It hurts. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. No, we, we have to talk about it, guys. Mm-hmm. Because marriage is not just, oh, I like him. He likes me. Um, I, I love the way he looks at me. Or I just really want that dress and that wedding. I just, guys, we put some, we have, in wow. great horror, wow. we have invested more in the wedding Come than on. we have in the marriage. Come on. It's true. We've, we, I mean, you know, I I want four white horses to to drive me away. <laughs> and and you know, and and then that's, you know, for the first 6 months you got you got a marriage. For the first year you got a marriage. 2 years. What I'm saying here is that when you've got 8 and 10 teenagers, so our kids, 15 to 19 years old, 80% of them are saying they're going to live together. And a New York Times story from 2019, it's included in this article, some quotes from the teenagers. Okay, so so what do they feel about marriage? There are a couple of quotes here I want to share it with you because I think it's it's a little bit eye-opening, right? We think that that our kids are supposed to have an exalted view of marriage if we kind of just keep quiet and just keep doing what we're doing. No, that is something that you have to pass on to kids. Mm-hmm. That is something that you have to model for them. And then when you when you mismodel it, right, or you fail to model it, then what you've got to do is you've got to use a lot of words. You have to. You don't, you don't get the luxury of failing in the modeling of it and then keeping quiet as if that's a new standard. No, you, if you fail in the model, modeling of it, whether it was your fault or not, you have to say, listen, let me explain something to you. God has a design for man and woman. It looks like this. See, because in our keeping quiet, you know what Satan has done? In our keeping quiet because we're like, well, there's shame associated with that. There's embarrassment associated with that. We have created a vacuum that the enemy of our souls has stepped into. And he said, you know, they don't champion marriage anymore Mm -hmm. because, you know, all their marriages have failed. So let us go on in with new definitions of marriage. (laughs) Not just two men, but it's a man who thinks he's a woman and a woman who thinks she's a man. Mm. And let's let's call that marriage or let's call a thruple marriage, which that used to be a joke. They laughed at that. They said, look at you guys. You guys are mocking us. First, civil unions. Okay, blah. And then, and then marriage. And they say, well, so where does it stop? What about if a thruple, they wanted to be three people. And now they say, well, actually, well, well now, now, <laughs> since we've thrown you off the scent, they're saying now that is what we want. And guys, you have to understand the wickedness of the enemy of our soul mm-hmm. sits back and is like, perfect. Perfect. Why does this matter? It doesn't matter because of our American tradition. So what you're saying is this rests on the shoulders of the church. Without of the a Christian. doubt. 
Without we a doubt, are the why? ones that are to uphold what God's standard is in marriage. Because marriage is a picture of Christ and the church, mm. not a picture of Disney's happily ever after. Come on. If it were that, then leave the world to it. If it were that, if you're if you're just aiming for, um, well, you know, Snow White has to get her prince. Snow White can't get a princess. That just doesn't make sense. And and you got the cat. If that's all you're aiming for, then leave the world to fight for that. But that's not what we are fighting for. Man, so good. What we that's are right. fighting for is the example that displays the wisdom of God, mm. the wisdom of God that was hidden for ages, that is now revealed in the church. Wow. So it's through the formation of the church. Now God is saying, so guess what now? So now since you guys, here you are, you're the bride of Christ. Can I tell you something else? I don't mean to all of a sudden make God sound like he's from with Wisconsin, but can I tell you something else? Don't you know? So, but all of a sudden God is like, Hey, and guess what? By the way, yes, you are the bride of Christ, but marriage is also a picture of Christ in the church. Mm. You guys, you guys, you didn't even know it, but you were living, walking examples of what I was going to do. It was hidden for ages, but I have now revealed Mm. it in you. And so what, what a humbling position for us to be in as husbands and wives, That we get to walk around and tell the world, hey, this is what Christ wants to do for you. But what a he display. wants to give you the security and the commitment of forever. What a display, and, though. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, what a display that we have opportunity to, to show to the world yes. as believers. Like, we can show the world through our marriages, through our families, through our marriages, mm-hmm. you know, Christ's love for the, for the church. Like, Man, so you can see how diabolical and how sinister it would be for the enemy to strike right at that. Come on. So that the the picture is distorted. Oh, this is, you know, this is what marriage is. No, man, we have a great opportunity to show the world what Christ is to the church, his love for the church. Amen. And man, how how the enemy has come in, like you said, through that vacuum and say, okay, well, I'm going to redefine this because they're not standing on it. You know, they have given it up. And now we're going to just go ahead and redefine it and make it what I want it to be. Man. And when I am unlovable and you are committed to me Mm -hmm. because it's a covenant. Mm -hmm. Brothers and sisters, lean in. Don't you see this? Don't don't you. Do you understand what God is saying? This this was the picture of marriage that you have entered into a covenant. This is a commitment that is unbroken. This is why Jesus says. Jesus says that it's only through death that this covenant commitment is broken. Do you understand Mm. that when we say that Jesus is committed to us, that in Jesus Christ, we are now justified. We are forgiven that this is a statement of placement. We have been taken from the domain of darkness. We have been brought into this new kingdom. Do you understand that even though we have those times where we struggle, those times where we miss the mark, but because Jesus now has sanctified us and he has set us apart, do you understand that the covenant that we exist in provides security for us? This is why I think by extension, there's so many Christians who do not understand what it is to be justified by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we live in constant fear, this mm. nagging fear of like, is he happy with me today? What if, what if, will God walk away? Will he, we don't understand because this picture of marriage has been so flippant and so flimsy in our culture because people stand up and they say, I do forever. And then, but it's only until this. Now, look, I, 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 I want to go back to the quotes and I also want to list this because I think it's so important for people to understand that we are not tone deaf. We're not tone deaf. We understand 
that the work of marriage is difficult and it is taxing and it, man, it, look, come on, it is, it deserves what, how it's defined, okay? Mm. That it is a commitment, man. It is a commitment that you make on the front end. That's why you make a commitment. Guys, we used to have metaphors in culture where people used to say, oh, I don't know. I'm not married to that idea. I could because we used to understand that when you say you're married to the mm, idea, it meant, no, I'm in. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> now you could enter into an agreement. You can say, hey, I'm married to this idea today. Mm. <laughs> but we don't even in wow. business transactions, we don't like that because we're like, wait, I can't. I, I can't put my trust on you being married to an agreement today and tomorrow. Like you, I can't do that. Mm. Cause we understand that a commitment to a thing that is established and enduring matters. So how much more so that we have the opportunity to display the wisdom of God to the only wise God we are living. We are living for his glory. <laughs> so there are reasons that believers divorce Maybe you were not saved before. And why am I going through these things? Because there are people who will be listening to me, and I'm well aware that the enemy will pounce on this as an opportunity right. to condemn you. Right. And I don't want to give the enemy any fuel to condemn mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. believer. So I just want to acknowledge, I just want to just pull the curtain full back, okay, yeah. and just say, listen, guys, there are reasons that our marriages fail. But can I tell you that that means that we've got to work even harder to continually communicate the standard of God and say, you know, man, that didn't. I didn't I didn't hit that mark. Right. For whatever the reasons were, I didn't hit that mark. But the mark is good. The mark is good. And, and there, there are reasons, like you're saying, that this happens. But I, I think what sometimes we fail to, like, preach and talk about is that God truly hates divorce. Right. You know, because right. of what we're talking about. It's a picture Amen. of Christ in the church. But at the same time, there is forgiveness. There are things that that happen you know, there, there are reasons that this happened, yep. but it's not the standard. I think That's the right. church has to be uh, flat-footed on all of it and say yeah. this is what it is because this is how God has said that That's it right. is. That's right. So so maybe you weren't saved and mm -hmm. you got a divorce mm -hmm. and you, you didn't even know, right? Maybe it was not your choice. Maybe your spouse left you mm -hmm. and you fought and you fought, but you couldn't make the person stay. First Corinthians seven deals with this. You, you, you can't make the person stay, right? right? You have to, your desire, your aim must be to live in peace. Maybe you hadn't been taught, even as a believer, you hadn't been taught the weight and the commitment of marriage. Guys, now this is a huge failure on the part of the church, by the way. Mm. This is a huge failure on those who would engage in premarital counseling. I don't think a pastor should ever marry people that he doesn't counsel. Mm hmm ever. Now I know you're like, well, Mika, how do you, how could you? Well, because <laughs> if you're serving as a witness, if you are giving your approval of this, right, don't you at least want to know that you're, you're mm. helping to foster a good sound business deal? What, <laughs> what lawyer, please guys, in the natural, we understand this, but when we start talking about spiritual things, we're kind of like, it doesn't take all that, does it? But it should take more. Mm. What lawyer signs an agreement, but doesn't read it, doesn't know what he's getting into or what he's putting his name on. But you got pastors sign marriage licenses. They never counsel people. You put your name on that. Mm. What, what, what are you agreeing to? Are you setting these people up for failure? I, I look lovingly, respectfully, see it as a dereliction of duty. Mm -hmm. How do you say these people are fit? I agree. But you never sat down, sat down to counsel them. You don't know how they think about children, money, 
church, their spiritual lives, like what, what, all of these things that cause marriages to begin to crumble within like weeks, months. <laughs> all right, we'll pick up here on the other side of the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. to tell the truth about God's standard certainly when we have missed the mark because you feel you feel the weight of that but can I say man our jobs as followers of the Lord Jesus is not to try to get away from the weight of the holiness of God mm. I mean that's who we've come to we've we've Amen. come to the holy one like I you know I, I don't I don't want to have this flippant, just sort of like watered down approach to God where he is just like me. Remember, I've entrusted my eternity to him. I've, I've entrusted my soul to him. I, I don't want to entrust my soul to someone who's just like me. No, mm. he is holy. Amen. He is righteous. His standards are good. Now, we, we are human. We are prone to miss the mark. We're prone to fail. But, man, we've got to be able to own that. And, and I'm going to tell you, you know, we got to be able to own that because we're losing our kids because we haven't. Mm-hmm. We're, we're losing our kids because we've kept in front of them a standard that is other than the one that God entrusted to us. This picture of Christ in the church, this establishment of this institution that was established in God's wisdom. Um, Solomon in the, the Proverbs in the beginning Solomon personifies wisdom, and, and it's really incredible to read. You, you read through the Proverbs with your kids. You can do neat little things where you have them illustrate what they're seeing because there's so much visual imagery in the Proverbs. But it's amazing. You read in Proverbs chapter 8, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Proverbs chapter 8, look at verse 1, and then skip over to verse 22, and I'm reading verse 1 to give you context so that you might understand that the subject here of what I'm reading is wisdom. The subject of what I'm reading is wisdom does not wisdom. This is verse one, Proverbs chapter eight does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice. Verse 22 here, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Me here is wisdom. Mm. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. Now you should be thinking, wait a minute. The Lord God is eternal. So what what does that mean at the beginning? Okay, so this means that at God's start of doing, wisdom is present. So what is the Bible telling us? The Bible is telling us that God is wise, that God is wisdom, that yes, God does wisely, if you will, but he is wisdom. So in all of his doing, in all of his instituting, the wisdom that is God is there. It is done in wisdom. It is done through wisdom. It is the wisdom of God on display in everything that he makes, right? Everything that we see, all of it, the fingerprint on all of it is God done through his wisdom because he is, as the Bible also says, 
the only wise God. Amen. Verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old. From everlasting, I was established from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. Do you see the emphasis here? Like the only other description that can compare to that is God Mm. from everlasting. So what is the word telling us that God is wisdom? I just want I just want us to understand the weight of this when we are talking about reflecting the wisdom of God. And the importance of keeping this wisdom in front of our children. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he had made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the seas its boundary. Mm. So that the water would not transgress his command when he marked out the foundation of the earth. Then I was beside him as a master workman and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth and having my delight in the sons of men. Wisdom, wisdom, all the wisdom of God in marriage. There are many reasons why marriages fail both in the larger culture and also in Christian culture. There are instances of abuse and neglect, both of the spouse and of children. Yeah. There's there's, I just didn't understand the weight of, of marriage. I didn't know. I just didn't know. Even among Christians, we, I just didn't know. But guys, listen, none of those reasons or the reasons I mentioned before we took the break, none of those reasons redefines God's wisdom. So we've got to be able to boldly agree with God, not kind of like wrapped up in our feelings and just like, well, I don't want to talk about that because I didn't know. We've got to be able to say, you know what, man, I I wish I had known then what I know now. Mm, yeah. I may have fought harder. Like I wow. I, I thought yeah. I was fighting hard, but I I didn't know what was at stake. And yeah. I, I man, I, I gave up a little bit. I did. I, I just kind of was like, eh, it's not worth my time. But if I had known then what I know now, man, I would have fought harder. Can you imagine if you teach that to children? Mm. Can you imagine if you teach that to grandchildren? We have to. We, we have no choice because we have lost our footing in the discussion of marriage because, frankly, we just stay out of it because we got these areas where we feel like if I make a big deal, then somebody might make a big deal about that. Mm. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. You can comment on what we're talking about today as the phones get queued up, the mm-hmm. calls get queued up. Some of the quotes in this article from the teenagers who 80% of them expect to just shack up just to cohabitate, live together. 95% of them expect to get married. 80% expect to live together before they do that. They were asked, it's a New York Times article about marriage. And this is a teen from Texas. And this is what the teen said about marriage. Quote, I feel like nowadays it's not really as important to get married especially for people of my age and generation, excuse me. The reason being is that we are being taught by our parents and educators that our education should come first in order to have a stable life financially and career wise, which causes many people to neglect the thought of marriage. Not only that, this teenager continues, but society has made marriage seem like it should be the least important (laughs) thing 
for a person to think about. Here's another teenager from North Carolina. Quote, asking if I want to get married someday is a poor question, in my opinion. Marriage is just a title, a contract. It only begins to matter once love is in the picture. <laughs> I think it's acceptable to live with a romantic partner without having plans to get married, end quote. The question has to be, do kids in the church feel this way too? Mm. Wow. And if they feel this way too, have we, those who have been entrusted with the proliferation of the gospel, the longevity of truth, <laughs> have we contributed to that sentiment? You know, I, I would say with the, the stats that we've all heard, you know, about a biblical worldview uh, within the church, within uh, the lives of Christians and even mm -hmm. pastors, there's a big chance that the children feel the children in the church feel that way as well. I think so. <laughs> as a, I, I think you so. Know, because if we're not um, training uh, in a biblical worldview, how to think about life in a biblical way, how to live our lives in that way, mm -hmm. man, they're going to be swallowed up by the world's right. agenda and its mindset and its worldview. So, That's right. That's yeah. right. And it's it's frightening to think about. But I, I think the reality of what we see um, confirms what you're saying. Yeah. Let's go to the phone lines, Willie Gray. Where do we go first? All right. Let's go to Bobby in Texas. Hi, Bobby. Will and Miki, I love y'all. I got you. a good one for you, though, Miki. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to use I'm going to use your intro to to paint a picture so just bear with me please sure your intro says when uh you and you and will got together oftentimes you would answer too quickly and have to back up correct <laughs> sure so so a painting the picture of the of that wedding will was still standing behind you backing you up even though privately he knew you was wrong and yet publicly still stood behind his wife saying i stand with her is that not a good picture or am i incorrect with with that i'm trying to i'm trying to make sure i understand help me bobby unpack that a little bit more tell me tell me the illustration that you're trying to paint here because i will tell you um when when will disagrees with me he disagrees with me publicly and privately so i i, I want to make sure that i understand <laughs> Uh, rightly here. Tell me, tell me what you're going for here. Well, I'm going for the the picture of Christ and the the agape love of unconditional. Even though mm -hmm. you're standing firm with it is with a a uh, dual dual interpretation of a certain scripture when it when it gets taken out of context mm. and gets used wrongly. Mm -hmm. And 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 a person is just ignorant of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. The, okay. The husband and the wife still stands firm with their with their mate, yet slowly, slowly bringing them to the truth. Oh yes. Okay, Bobby, I'm with you on that. Yes, I completely understand. And and this, <clears throat> excuse me, I think would fall in the category if we're speaking in marital terms. Mm -hmm. This is the washing of the wife with the word. 
right? This is where mm. the husband has a responsibility. The wife yeah. may come to the marriage with a set of preconceived notions. She thinks this, she thinks that. And the same may be true of the husband. The Bible doesn't describe the wife washing the husband, mm-hmm. but there is something of us living together as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ where we are growing in the word together. But it is the responsibility of the husband to wash the wife in the word to make sure that the wife is sound in scripture. But mm-hmm. I think what you're driving at, and I agree with you, by the way, I think what you're driving at is the patience of our Savior, that mm-hmm. we are not perfect people. Amen. Look, there are things that I would have looked, I, I would look <laughs> back on years ago, come on, well, the great, right? And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and we would have looked, you know, and, and, and said, ooh, oh, that's not what that scripture meant. Right. But man, I'm so grateful for the love of the Lord, Amen. that he is patient with us, that he is not just, these things don't pluck us from his hands, that right. we have a security in the Lord as we grow in our knowledge of God, as we grow in our wisdom, that he loves us and that he is steadfast in that love for us. So Amen. I absolutely Amen. echo what you're saying. And if we take it back to the discussion that we're having today, and I, I wonder also, brother, if this is where you're driving as well, that we have many people, brothers and sisters who have, man, we've just, we just didn't know. We, we didn't understand it the way we understand it now. And the Lord is gracious toward he us. He is loving toward us. He is gentle toward us. And that, that applies even in the context of this uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that may be where our brother was going. Um, and, and to that, I say a hearty amen. Thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate you listening and calling in. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Laura in Oklahoma. Hi, Laura. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for taking my call. I love the subject matter today. Um, And I will confess to you, I'm a woman of two marriages. Um, Got married very young, Mm -hmm. um, like 17, and um, very quickly it dissolved, but I wasn't a believer. Then I married a few years later, got saved, and fully was educated on what marriage was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an incredible Bible teacher mm-hmm. um, who was a born-again Jew who taught me what mm-hmm. covenant was. Mm-hmm. You don't understand covenant, you can't understand covenant marriage. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that anchored me, unfortunately. Almost 15 years into the marriage, my husband decided to walk out and leave me and all the kids. Mm-hmm. The Lord's kept me for 20 years. Hallelujah. That's not my subject matter. I'm speaking mm-hmm. from wisdom. I'm not speaking from emotion. Mm-hmm. You look in the churches today, Covenant is not being taught. So that addresses that whole salvation. So what you said about security and understanding not being addressed. And you talked about the culpability of the pastor for counseling. Well, if you're going to get a drive through version of a McDonald's burger instead of, you know, sitting down at the Lord's table, you're not going to get true counseling. <laughs> because the pastor right. should be sitting down with his congregate members. And if he ain't invested into their life as their leader and their shepherd, he should not be marrying them because he is culpable. And mm. so what we have are people in churches who are, I mean, the church that I was a part of, in a matter of a couple of years, we had multiple marriages just utterly fail. And then a friend of mine who's a pastor and missionary said, you can tell the health of a church by the number of marriages falling apart. And so I thought, well, this ain't healthy, but we're not teaching that. We have people who are, and we'll use a tacky word, shacking up and they're in the church and they're Mm. putting in positions. They're teaching Sunday school. Tell me why you got someone teaching a three-year-old who's living with her boyfriend or having a baby out of wedlock and yet you're letting this person have the time with mm. your child's mind to develop it? Mm. We got problems, but Laura, we're not addressing them. Listen, mm. you, okay, you're hitting on all <laughs> cylinders here. couple words mm-hmm. here I'll just draw because I want to try to squeeze in one more call here. Covenant and how you rightly said, no, no, we're not coming from a place of emotion. 
we want to look at the scriptures, the authority of God's word. Man, I hear the music. I don't know if I even have time to get mm. another. Okay, well then let me just do this. Let me just do this. Laura, to your point here, when we talk about who is qualified to serve in a position of leadership in the Lord's church, it matters. And the Bible delineates for us. The Bible lays out, records for us the requirements of people who want to serve, who want to be in various positions, even down to the title deacon. Yeah. All right. And and we we have actually kind of ripped that away from its original definition. We don't know what that is now. We think it's <laughs> well, OK, I'll just leave it. Um, but you're absolutely right that we have got to in all the ways that we live and even the structure and the way our churches are established. It's got to be for the glory of God, reflecting, reflecting the wisdom of God Amen. to the only wise God. All right. We're out of time for today until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.